sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Hour two of Fantasy Sports today. We're back on the air with the latest in injuries from Dr. Chow. Profootballdoc.com is his website. You guys are familiar with him. He's been on the sidelines for almost two decades. He's going to help us out with fantasy football injuries coming up in about 10 minutes from now. Also, Adam Beasley joins on the, us on the show. We'll talk a little football in terms of the Miami Dolphins and see where they're at here in the 2020 season. It was not a great start for them. Could we see a new quarterback in the next few weeks? We'll find out from him. And, Joe, the good news, I think, for college football fans is that it looks like the Big Ten is coming back to play. Several reports earlier this morning say October 26th, which is essentially a little bit over a month from now, will put the Big Ten back in play. They'll play a Big Ten schedule only, will be eligible to play for the college football playoff and the championship. And certainly, I think the question has to be asked at this point, regardless of how you feel about the virus and COVID or anything else, did the Big Ten jump the gun a little bit and cancel their football season before really thinking this through. It certainly seems that is the case because they've decided to come back in a month. It would seem that that's the case, but erring on the side of caution when there's life and death on the line, not to quote the Princess Bride here for a second, but I mean, that's pretty big. That's some big time stuff here, especially when you're talking about student athletes. I want to emphasize the student in that athlete. So I don't want to jump on them for trying to err on the side of caution. I'm fine with that, but I'm also going to give them credit if they feel like now they have protocols and things in place. And maybe it was a matter of preparation too. Maybe they didn't think they were prepared enough in order to go forward with it. And if they think they are now and they think they're can control it enough and can be ahead of the situation, then you know what? Good. Good that you have enough guts to say, hey, we can go forward now. Maybe we didn't think we could a few months ago or weeks ago, but you know what? Things are getting better and there's nothing wrong with making this decision later than before. You don't have to be starting the same time as everybody else. If you're going to think you're safe enough to start, then start when you think it's safe. And that's about it. Yeah, and, and look, I'm, I'm happy to see the Big Ten back, and, and definitely, I personally think they jumped the gun a little bit too early. I wonder what the Pac-12 is thinking right now, too, seeing the Big Ten being back in action, because essentially, we're going to have 75% of the college football teams playing, and, and certainly the Big Ten could have been playing right now. SEC will start up next week, so we'll see what happens with the Big Ten this season, and uh, Michigan, Ohio State back on a football field. That's good for everybody, that's for sure. All right, let's take a look at our headlines here in the second hour of the show for the 16th of September. Big Ten football back in October, as we've been discussing. NBA draft is going to be held November the 18th. The NBA season looks like it'll start late December, early January, as they try to squeeze in an 82-game season. Season. The Denver Nuggets, the upstart Nuggets, are plus 850 on the FanDuel Sportsbook to win the NBA title. They are the clear underdog in this thing, but playing arguably the best basketball of anyone left in this thing. I mean, don't want to disrespect the Heat. The Heat's probably playing great, too. Uh, Lane Johnson of the Philadelphia Eagles on playing this week says, count on it. Okay, so that means I'll bet the Eagles <laughs> because when he doesn't play, they lose, and when he does, they win. Great. Le'Veon Bell heads to injured reserve. He's going to be out a minimum of three weeks. Joe does not like Frank Gore this fantasy football week. I do. I love Frank Gore. I think he's scoring four touchdowns and 200 yards, so definitely add him in every fantasy league. 49ers sign ex-Patriots receiver Mohamed Sanu was a complete bust for New England. We'll see if he adds anything to the table with San Francisco. And then a great pitching showdown night in baseball against two guys that are familiar with each other. 
Jacob DeGrom, Cy Young candidate. Zach Wheeler back for the first time since hurting his nail, putting on his pants. He threw in Miami a couple of days ago in the bullpen and looked pretty good. So he's going to make the start tonight. And I would say, Joe, essentially, for all intents and purposes, the Mets season is on the line tonight. This is it. They lose again to Philadelphia. I think that's that's a wrap. And it's probably a wrap anyway for their season. But tonight would be the nail in the coffin. This would be it. Yeah, I mean, and we'll see if the Mets actually bring their bats to a game where Jacob DeGrom pitches. Uh, and we'll see between him and Wheeler who wears the pants in this matchup. Perhaps oh, very I don't know, yeah. but I will. I will say this: um, I don't have much hope for the Mets, even if they did somehow miraculously make the playoffs and have a run there. Yeah, they could Degrom, but they have a lot more problems. So hopefully, Steve Cohen is listening and is going to just fix everything magically. Probably unlikely, but a lot to go on here. I, I will say this too: going back to Lane Johnson real quick, because uh, he better. They're playing the Chargers. And that means Bosa, that means Ingram, that means quite a pass rush they're going to be facing. But even if he does or does not play, the Eagles have to make some adjustments here. And the first one is getting Carson Wentz rolling out a little bit. You got to get him moving in the pocket because that is not something you saw in week one. He was pretty stationary in there. They've got to start designing some plays because if that O-line isn't healthy, you've got to start moving him around a little bit, cut that field in half. Yes, it's tough sometimes to make that work, but Carson Wentz is a good enough quarterback to do that and make those kind of decisions. But you got to keep this guy upright. you got to keep him safe. You cannot afford to lose Carson Wentz this season. It's just please, if, if you do that, it's over, it's done. There's no Nick Foles riding in on a white horse to save you at this point in time. So, yeah, Lane Johnson going to play. That's great. But at the same time, they got to start getting more creative to that Eagles offensive line. So, I mean, you got to figure yeah. out some more plays here. Get Carson Wentz moving a little bit more. Yeah, and, and look, Sanders is a dynamic player who showed in the last eight games of last year that he could be a superstar in the NFL. You can dump the ball mm-hmm. off to him, and he can run 90 yards. So that is definitely going to help him being in the lineup back this week. Lane Johnson, for whatever reason, is the most important guy on that field. So I would expect they bounce back this week for Philadelphia, although the line would certainly indicate that it is not a foregone conclusion because it's very close to a pick with the Rams coming up uh, this Sunday. All right, uh, injuries in fantasy football are always messy, and it is no secret that the Cincinnati Bengals had one of the more bizarre injuries happen to their kicker in week one of the fantasy football season. And that's not to say that you'll be starting Randy Bullock because you could go out there and you could grab another kicker. But this affects everything. It affects wagering. It affects fantasy. It affects scoring. And what in the world went on with Bullock? And what could we expect from some other players in fantasy? Dr. Chad with us next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back to the Fantasy Sports Today. You know, every week here on the show, we certainly try to get a little insight on injuries in terms of fantasy football and the very best in the business at doing that. He spent... More than 17 years on an NFL sideline. You can follow him on Twitter at ProFootballDoc, ProFootballDoc.com. Dr. David Chow joins us once again here on this Wednesday, our first look at the injury report in the NFL. Dr. Chow, thank you for coming on once again. Thanks for having me. I need to get one of those fancy backdrops like you. I'm just in my office here. (laughs) 
<laughs> Yours is more authentic than mine. Let's just put it that way. We'll, <laughs> I, will, I will leave it at that. Uh, okay, so uh, Dr. Chow, one of the first picks in, in everyone's fantasy draft uh, this season, the number one pick for a lot of people was Michael Thomas of the New Orleans Saints, who uh, certainly it looks like he avoided injury, and I'm no expert. You are. Now, a couple of things with this, and the first that I'd like to mention is, you know, Dr. Chow, he's got an extra day to play Monday night. So that certainly is good news, but the bad news is you may have to wait and not know going into Monday night. What do fantasy owners do? That's true, and you bring up a good point there. Uh, you know, we'll look at the practice reports and what have you. I have confidence right now that Michael Thomas will play. In-game, and you, you saw it, I think, I tweeted, wow, on that late run play where he got rolled up on, he just got his left foot out. Otherwise, it would have been a more significant injury, significant high ankle sprain. The report is he's got a high ankle sprain, which then makes people really worried because, oh, my gosh, say Quan Barkley last year and all this other stuff. But there's different types of high ankle sprains. I mean, there are car accidents where you're fender bender and you're fine, and there are car accidents where you're totaled. Same with high ankle sprains. His is mild. He's not in a boot, et cetera. I have good confidence that he will play. Will he play at 100%? I'm not sure, but a 90 or 95 Michael Thomas is not someone that you can sit. No, you can't. That's a great point, Dr. Chow. Thank you for that. Uh, Monday night, we saw a couple of injuries to running backs. Uh, one seems murkier than the other, at least according to what was said on Tuesday. Uh, James Conner, of course, left the game, and that opened the door, Dr. Chow, for this young kid, Benny Snell, who looked fantastic. So, of course, he's a very hot pickup on the waiver wires today. And then on the Denver side of things, uh, maybe we need a better explanation as to what turf toe does to a football player, because that's the diagnosis, at least from what I understand, on Philip Lindsay. Well, on uh, for Pittsburgh, James Conner has a ankle sprain. Did not see it on video, and I went back and looked, which means to me it had to be mild. Otherwise, we would have seen it. And uh, this also explains why the injury report didn't come out until the fourth quarter, even though he stopped playing early in the second. As you know, Craig, by rule, teams have to report if a player's injured to the point that he might not return. So it would have been a rules violation for the Steelers not to report in the fourth quarter. But there's an easy explanation. There's no question he rolled his ankle. He got it retaped. They went with Benny Snell for a series, and he, he looked good. And they went for two, and he looked good. And they said, well, <laughs> right. let's not risk it, right? And then by the fourth quarter, as questions swirled, is this a coaching decision where Mike Tomlin's benching him? No, he's got an ankle issue. And legitimately, it could have tightened up on the bench over two quarters, right? So it all makes sense. The big concern in Pittsburgh, though, is the right tackle, and, you know, uh, and Zach Banner, we tweeted in game and at a profootballdoc.com said he tore his ACL. That's being confirmed today and was worried about Wisniewski, the backup to David DeCastro, who already isn't playing. And he might not he might have a significant pec injury that might wow. need surgery. So it's not the worry about James Conner. It's the worry about the right side of his block of the line. That's the concern in Pittsburgh. As far as the Broncos are concerned, no one is more disappointed than me on Philip Lindsay, only because I've entered the fantasy fray, right? You know, right. Where I play, uh, as we talked about. And uh, Philip Lindsay is one of my guys. And a turf toe, no matter how mild, the mild turf toe is the one that's on your fantasy opponent's running back. When it's on your running back, it's <laughs> right. not mild. Okay. Uh, it's a big deal. Walking is okay, but getting up on your toes and pushing off and running, jumping, and cutting, which is what a running back does, 
it's a big deal for a turf toe. So even mild ones. So I have to think that there's going to be some effect on Philip Lindsay, whether it's in touches, carries, or performance, or whether he can even suit up for at least a couple of weeks. Devontae Adams last year had a significant turf toe, and he missed considerable time. In this offseason, he said it affected him the whole rest of the year. I don't think Philip Lindsay's is that bad, but it is something that can affect him. You know, Dr. Chow, really interesting injury, I thought, uh, over the weekend was to the kicker of the Cincinnati Bengals. And that, of course, is Randy Bullock. Um, very strange injury for him. And then on top of the injury, the Bengals go out, they sign another kicker. And then yesterday they mentioned, well, maybe we still will go with Bullock coming up. And, and Dr. Chow, this game is Thursday night. And so from every angle of this thing, fantasy, what you would expect from the Bengals, I mean, it's just sort of a bizarre thing. What, what specifically was the injury? How could he be recovered so quickly? Well, good question. And, you know, everyone saw him grab at his calf and calves, et cetera. And, you know, the, the layperson would say, oh, he's faking. I'm not saying he's faking, but I don't know that we know the whole story. First of all, after the game, he said on a Zoom interview that his left calf grabbed at him as he approached the kick, and that's what affected him. There is truth to that because a kicker is like a golfer. Like if you have one thing off on your golf swing, look, my ball goes everywhere anyways, but if you have a good golf swing and your wrist or your pinky finger bothers you, the swing goes all over the place. Your back, your hip, your ankle, same thing with a kicker. So no question it could affect him. But if you look at the video, as soon as he kicks it, after the kick, he sees it's missing. He grabs both calves. But he continues to hold the right calf, mm. but he singled out the left calf at the time. Now, that adds to the mystery. And guess what? The team has put both calves on the injury report <laughs> for him. So, okay. And the other thing is kickers don't typically cramp. I love kickers and the whole thing because it's not an overexertion thing. Look, the finest little thing can affect him. So I'm not saying he's faking, but – he felt something, but it's not an injury. And you're right. And if he, there was an injury, he wouldn't be playing Thursday. And why don't they just put in the, the new guy they just claimed from Cleveland? Because believe, believe it or not, you don't kick in a vacuum. Um, just like you don't put on your show in a vacuum. You have your producers and tech people and whatever and, and editors, and, and you have to get used to the flow of what happens. And the same with the timing of the snap and the holder and the way they hold and kick. It's not like just run any kicker out there and kick, you know, like going back to the golf swing. Besides people liking certain clubs and certain balls, people like to tee the ball up at different heights. Sure. They like to hit a draw or a fade. You know, there are subtle differences. It's not just just go kick the ball, you dummy. It's fine. So that's why they're not making the switch. Yeah. Let, let, let's close out with uh, with one injury that I saw. And, and Dr. Chow, you can follow Dr. Chow, Pro Football Doc. Uh, and certainly profootballdoc.com. He is following all of the games. It's amazing just how in tune you are to all these games every week. Uh, in, in, we have about a minute left, but the Raiders opened up the game, Dr. Chow, with this young Henry Ruggs, and he looked fantastic in the first half. He was on the sideline for a while, came back in the game. Yesterday, Coach Gruden said he was playing through something, but yet he didn't do anything in the second half. Is he a safe start right now in fantasy? Depends on who else you have in the lineup, right? I mean, uh, 
I think he can run some go routes straight ahead. I think he has a mild MCL sprain. That's why he was utilized sparingly in the second half. Trent Brown, the right tackle, is the bigger no-show for next week for Oakland. But Henry Ruggs, I think he's got a good chance to play. But if you have other options, you might want to take him this next week because of that for fantasy. And thanks for the compliment. But when we watched the nine games in the morning here, in in the first games, early games yesterday or, or Sunday, there were eight pairs of eyes on the thing. There were eight guys in our war room watching all this stuff. So they just signal me when there's something happens. And that's how we try and get it done yeah no it's incredible the amount of insight that you have and uh you know every once in a while we'll do interviews and i have to sort of uh, you know pre-do the interview but with you dr chow i mean you know every injury in the book and people have to follow you during the football season at profootball.com go to profootball.com Special offer for those of you who are willing to get signed up this weekend. Play a little DFS on FanDuel. Dr. Chow is the man. He's responsible for all of the injury information that you need every week. It's always great to have you here on the show. I'll be watching all of those injuries that you mentioned, and I know our viewers appreciate it too. Dr. Chow, thank you again for coming on the show. Thanks, Craig. And it's not just uh, fantasy superstar injuries. We single out things like the Eagles offensive line sure. is a hot mess due to injury. And they, the Washington football team ended up with eight sacks there with the biggest upset of the week. So thank you very much. Okay, that's Dr. Chow. I'm Craig Mish. We'll take a quick timeout and we'll be back with more Sports Grid in just two minutes right here on Fantasy Sports Today. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Of course, week two of the NFL season is coming up this weekend. Every single week, we check in to see what every team is doing. And this week, we are going to reach out and talk some Miami Dolphins with Adam Beasley. You can follow him on Twitter at Adam H. Beasley. He, of course, at the Miami Herald covering the team every single day. Adam, thanks for coming on and appreciate you doing it. How are you? Uh, I am better than the Miami Dolphins today. Yeah, it, it appears that way. Now, now look, um, week one, let's just call it what it was. Week one was a disaster. But I have to say, <laughs> A I have disaster. To, wow. I mean, I, but I have, it, it didn't go well for the quarterback. But I have to say, it wasn't as bad as week one last year. I mean, la- yes. week one last year looked like the team was going to lose 14 games in a row. And then all of a sudden, things picked up. So before we get into the fantasy ramifications, let's talk about this specifically. Is this team going to have a better start than last year's team did? Because simply put, no one will be able to accept <laughs> losing six, seven games in a row at the beginning of the year. Right. If they start 0-7, um, Brian Flores and Chris Greer have to be very nervous because this is their baby. I mean, yes, it's not a finished product. And 2021-2022 were always the window for this team. But you can't regress from one year to the next. And if they start 0-7... I mean, I know the, the, the weeks 9 through 13 or whatever, the, the schedule softens. But still, it's c- catastrophe. I mean, they they can't lose to the Jaguars. They can't lose all the – I mean, I know they have some front-loaded games. They can't lose to the Broncos, who I don't think are very good. They can't lose that many games in a row. If they do, it's trouble in River City for sure. Yeah, and, and maybe I'm a little harsh with the disaster. That's true. I mean, I mean, when you look at it, they they kind of were in the game for a period yeah. of time. But, 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 I do, but I do think that, Adam, look – if 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 the quarterback play was better in that game, 
I mean, I would have to categorize the quarterback play as a disaster. I mean, no touchdowns, <laughs> three interceptions, and and the player is not a disaster. Like Adam, I think Fitzpatrick is the best at quarterback in bouncing back. But I guess that is the question at this point. Does he have that again in him like he's had for the last 15 years, which is a clunker? And then three games in a row where he looks like the best quarterback in the league. Well, that's the million-dollar question. Is he just having a one-off, or is he starting to regress and father time catching up to him and all that? Uh, the Dolphins have to hope it's the former, not the latter, because Tua is not ready. If Tua were ready, he'd be playing. If Tua was at a place where they thought he could lead the team to, to a winning season, he'd be the quarterback right now. They wouldn't prolong the inevitable. They would just go ahead and do it. So um, I think for two of the, it's like the key is week six. That's when they play Denver. I think that's when you might see a change if Fitzpatrick doesn't show marked improvement. I don't want to be an apologist, Craig, but two of those three picks weren't particularly on Fitz. His receiver fell down. Preston Williams, who looked terrible. I mean, we'll talk about a guy who had a bad first game. Preston Williams was very bad for the Dolphins in week one. Um, he fell down leading to a Stephon Gilmore pick. And then the last one, Gasicki got interfered with, and it was a desperation throw. All that being said, they didn't do what they do well. What this team does well through the passing game is use those great big receivers, their great big tight end, and play volleyball. They go throw the ball up and, and go and get it. They're, this is not a team predicated on timing and, and wraps. It's just not. It's a team that needs big chunk plays and, and guys to go up and get the football. Fitz did not put it in a place where his receivers could go and make plays yesterday on Sunday. And as a result, they lost to the Patriots. But all that being said, there was five minutes left in the game and they were in it. It was one possession game and the defense let them down. So uh, I think it was a collective failure on Sunday. Yeah, no, and it wasn't. Look, New England's defense is great. And maybe I'm being short-sighted a little bit with that. Um, okay, so uh, for our purposes in fantasy, uh, going into the season, everyone knew that the Dolphins running back situation was going to be a little bit fluid. That is for sure. Uh, but Jordan Howard, on very few opportunities, made very little of that outside of scoring a touchdown. And then the bigger question that I know that you guys are asking this week for sure, which should be, what in the world happened to Matt Breida? Because mm -hmm. Breida, while he has been healthy in San Francisco, was not only a capable running back, but Matt, but, but Matt Breida in fantasy was someone that we could even play because he caught a lot of passes. Why, why in the world was he not a bigger part of this? I think it was a mistake. I think they acknowledged that they, they waited too long to get him into the game. Uh, Chan Gailey, we spoke with today, said they want to get him more involved. Uh, they're a package-based offense, and the packages they were running uh, that, that seemed to have some effectiveness were with Miles Gaskin. And, and that's fine. He's a fine player, but you're right. Not, Miles Gaskin's a fine player. Matt Breida has a chance to be a game-breaking player, and they don't have very many game-breaking players uh, right now, particularly because Devontae Parker's hurt. Uh, and so you need to, if your plan's not working, you have to scrap the plan and you have to find a way to get him into the game. I, I, the, the, the snap breakdown was crazy, Craig. It was 37 snaps for Miles Gaskin and I believe 13 or 14 for Matt Breida. That is wow. unacceptable. Yeah. They gave up a fifth round pick and they're paying $3.3 million to Gaskin. I'm sorry, to, to Breida. And as you mentioned, he's a home run hitter. So uh, I fully expect you to see a much bigger uh, workload for Breida on Sunday against the Bills. Um, the question I have is, is, what's Jordan Howard got? I mean, he looked like he was running quicksand on Sunday. I think he had seven yards and eight carries. You mentioned the touchdown. It took him three shots from the one-yard line to get in. He was supposed to be their big bruising, uh, short yardage back, the guy who's going to be able to move the sticks. We just didn't see it on Sunday. Yeah, and, and Howard has to have a good offensive line. I think we saw that in Chicago and Philadelphia. And, and look, Miami's offensive line is better than it was last year, but is it good enough? 
we're going to find out pretty quickly, I think. Uh, you mentioned Parker, and Parker had the phenomenal season last year that we all remember. The previous years to that were littered with inconsistency and injury. And as you mentioned, he came out of the first game hurt. We're here on Wednesday. We're not going to have any clarity of this on Thursday or until Friday, maybe even. But what, what is this? What was the status and is the status of Parker? Yeah, it's not clear if he re-aggravated an existing hamstring injury that had kept him out of two weeks of practice or suffered a new hamstring injury. Either way, it's not a great look. This is a guy that has to be – he's like a Ferrari. When he when when everything is lubed up and he's – you know all, all the pistons are firing, he's as good as there is in football. But uh, if he needs a new filter, if the oil is a little low, he's going to sputter. And when he sputters, the entire offense sputters. Craig, they have really no offense outside of Devontae Parker when it comes to big plays. I know Gasicki had a couple of touchdowns last year, but they're not throwing the ball to Jim Grant. There's not, I don't know why. Grant gets open, so it's got to be Devontae Parker. And when right. Devontae doesn't play or when he's not 100%, they're, they're, they're bad. They're just a bad offense. So um, you're right. It still is a wait and see. My guess is he doesn't go. I mean, I, I don't want to look foolish on Sunday and he's suit up. But what we're hearing early in the week isn't exactly promising. So yeah. mm. I, I, don't, I don't know how they're going to score enough points Sunday against Buffalo because the Bills are going to be able to move the football. They're going to be able to score some points. I'm not a believer in Josh Allen, but they're going to put up 21, 24 points on the board. Uh, if, if Devontae Parker doesn't play and they don't get a much better running game, I just don't see it happening. Yeah, and I think that maybe not as much for the Bills because they may look. Miami may end up being zero and two after this week, and 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 it's the long term picture, of course, with them as well. But you mentioned they do have lighter games and easier games, and if Parker was out for any extended period of time, two three weeks, you know, Jaguars, as you mentioned, they're going to be a softer schedule. So, Adam, who would be those potential receivers? Because I thought Wilson looked good, and I know he's not playing, so you know, certainly he's out and. Um, they they really just don't have anyone else. Uh, I believe uh, Alan Hurts he he didn't he, he opted out too. So the, who who is left basically there at wide receiver that would be able to take over for him or at least resemble him? Well, uh, Preston Williams right now is that guy, but he's ten months removed from ACL surgery and he even acknowledges that he's not a hundred percent. And we saw him slip several times on the field in Foxborough. Uh, he's not a physical guy. He's a big guy. He's a guy who can go up and, and high point the ball, but he's not going to win a wrestling match for a football. He's just he's a stick. He's just not a big guy. So it's it's bleak, my friend. It really is. You've got to get Matt Breida involved in the passing game. You have to get Jakeem Grant involved in the passing game. And maybe this is the week we see a Malcolm Perry or yeah, Perry uh, would be or, interesting. Yeah, or, or Lynn or Lynn Bowden even, who they picked up, uh, you know, on the waiver wire or trading at the at the, at the cut down day. So um, yeah, I, I don't have a good answer. They don't have very many weapons. If this team is unable to run the football, they're not going to be a good football team this year. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's end with with Mike Kosecki, who in my community, in the fantasy community, it seems like he was pretty polarizing. Either everybody loved him going into the year as an upside guy or they didn't like him at all and said that you shouldn't get anywhere near him. But look, we, we, we've we seen this guy get open in the end zone before. And, and just like Preston Williams, he's not a physical guy. He's not going to be the best pass blocker in the world, but he can catch the ball. Is is there some upside there for this year? Or basically we know who he is at this point. If Devonte can't play, they're going to use him as a wide receiver. That, that That's my sense that uh, Gasicki will be their slot wide receiver and they'll use Preston and Jakeem on the outside and they'll work Isaiah, Isaiah Ford in as well. Um, so yeah, if, if Devonte doesn't play on Sunday, you can expect Mike Gasicki to get a lot of targets. Now, is he going to turn those into production? I mean, we'll see, but he, he 
his usage rate is going to go way up this weekend if Devontae can't play for sure. All right. Well, uh, let, let's kind of end with this. Uh, look, the Dolphins' first week, it's against a really good team in New England, and certainly it's not going to be easy the rest of the way no matter who they play. But the bottom line, Adam, is that when we get toward the end of the year, is game six the game that you're saying that we'll see? I mean, is that? I mean, everyone is guessing this, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you would have asked me three months ago or four months ago, there's I, Adam, I could not have said game six. I would have said game 14, honestly. I thought that this was the end of the year thing. Before the year, we hear he's 100% healthy. Of course, there was the report that said he wasn't. That was debunked. And, of course, now he is. How careful will the Dolphins be? Are you sticking with that? Is that your guess? Game six, game eight, game 10, game four. What is the expectation here? Well, you got to look at their, their their schedule early on. It's just brutal. We mentioned Jaguars after the Bills. And then they're home against the Seahawks and at San Francisco. Mm. So at, at Denver is week six. I don't think Denver really scares too many people on defense. Uh, and, then, and then it softens up. We'll see how good the Chargers are. We'll see how good the Rams are. The Cardinals look all right. And then you have back-to-back games against the Jets. So probably week nine, uh, if it's not week six, definitely by week nine. This is not. This is assuming that this doesn't catch fire. Week sure. nine at Arizona, and then back-to-back against the Jets with a bye in between, and then Cincinnati. Look, that that that's that's the that, that is a soft spot of their schedule, and they could very easily go three and one of those four games. And if it's Tua Tagovailoa going three one of those four games, we're all going to lose our minds because they're going to say, "Oh, look." They can get hot. They, make, they can make a playoff run. And then I got some bad news for you, Craig. Home against Kansas City. Home against New England. Mm. At Las Vegas. <laughs> at, at, at Buffalo to finish the season. So yeah. they could go 3-1 and one in the 0-4 and, and, and yeah. they finish up fine. Adam, thank you again for coming on. Really appreciate yeah. it. All right, guys. Adam H. Beasley on Twitter covering the Miami Dolphins. We'll be right back on Fantasy Sports today. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. This is Fantasy Sports Today with you here on SportsGrid. And it is time, of course, for a little fantasy or reality. We'll get to those questions in just a minute. Joe, of course, will be back for the Sports Grid 60 at the end of the show. But, Joe, uh, some news today, at least in the last 30 minutes. Bruce Arians telling reporters covering the Buccaneers that Chris Godwin, their great wide receiver, is currently in the concussion protocol. And so uh, certainly that is not good news for Godwin owners. I am one myself. We'll have to monitor that going into the weekend. Uh, but, look, uh, they, they do play Sunday and they don't play Sunday night or Monday night. So there'll be some clarity on that going into it. Usually with concussions, you know the teams are going to be careful with this. But uh, Evans being hurt to start the season and now looks like he's close to 100%. That's a little bit of a boost for him. But for the Godwin owner out there right now, you got to start at least considering some other options. Yeah, you do. We talked about Scott Miller earlier. Uh, maybe that's another guy you can get on the waiver wire, gauge some of those lesser wide receivers, and even MVS. Whether or not you believe it can happen for an entire season, it just has to happen for another week, potentially, if you're trying to cover yourself for Godwin. So luckily, the uh, if you're going to lose a player, this is one of the better times, potentially, early in the season, because all of a sudden, the waiver wire is very plentiful. We see a lot of good things happen in week one. Maybe Corey Davis is for real. Maybe MVS is. We don't know. But if you do have to kind of get a little bit more depth at that wide receiver position, now at least is a very good time to find that depth. It's out there in the waiver wire, especially if you're in a 10-team league at wide receiver. This should not be a difficult thing. You should be able to do this pretty well. Keep an eye on Godwin, too. Hopefully he'll trend better as the week goes on. And if so, then obviously you put him right back in that lineup because the matchup is so good against the Panthers' defense this week. 
Yeah, for sure. And, and I think that we just got to wait that out and see what happens. All right, uh, let's go to some fantasy or reality, Joe, as we close out the show today. And let's start off with our first question of the day here on fantasy or reality. We got the Mets. Of course, they'll still play uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We got the Giants and Jets coming up this week. And basically, none of those teams in New York are winning or winning at all. But I would ask you this. The New York Mets, the rest of the week, will have more wins than the Giants and Jets combined. Do the math. Fantasy or reality? What do you got? <laughs> uh, we've got an upset producer is what we got. Brad Levy's already just like, you're, really, you're doing this to me? Why are you doing this to me? I mean, poor Brad. He's a Met and Jet fan. Luckily, I've spread out my allegiance. I have teams that lose and teams that win. That way I get into a nice cycle of being humble and then realizing what it's like to enjoy life again. Uh, but right. uh, so the question, the question I want to, I want to get the phrasing right again. So you're saying that the Mets are going to win more games than the Jets and Giants combined the rest of this week. And I'm going to say that is reality. I, I'm going to say that is true. Wow. That is a reality. Oh, well, I think the Jets are an automatic loss. I mean, that's, that's just, I mean, that's an automatic against the 49ers. Sorry. I think the Giants have some you know, look. The Giants, I think, were competitive in that game for a very long time. And then, of course, towards the end, they weren't able to be competitive, but they, they were completely overmatched in terms of personnel. I do think the Giants are a better team than the Jets. And I think that the Giants are going to kick around this Eastern Division and kind of be a thorn in the side to Dallas, who's gotten off to a bad start. And who knows? Could even potentially have a tough matchup here against Atlanta this week. And the Eagles' offensive line's been a mess. They lost to Washington out of the gate, so things are kind of wide open there. But I'm going to say it's reality. I think the Mets will have more wins. They just have to have two. I know it's only Wednesday here, but they have DeGrom going once today. Hopefully that's a W. I hope. I will keep my fingers crossed. What do you think, Craig? I think it's a push. I think it's a push. <laughs> I, I think the Mets, between Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I think they win one game. And I think between the Jets and Giants, they win one game. And so I'm going to say fantasy. I think it's a straight-up push between now and Sunday. Straight-up push. Uh, so, see, I think the Giants can actually go there and beat the Bears. I really do. I think they can go and actually win on the road and beat Chicago. I mean, Chicago really pulled that number out of a hat there uh, this past week with Detroit. I don't know if they could do that two weeks in a row. And I think Saquon's going to have a much better game. Look, once they got Saquon out in space, he was phenomenal in that game. I mean, literally leaping over guys, breaking tackles, going through stuff. He just couldn't get... <laughs> you just didn't get to a lot of scrimmage when they would hand the ball off to him because Watt and Dupree and everybody was just in the backfield as soon as they'd hand the ball off. I mean, even the the great running backs of all time, even Barry Sanders, would have nowhere to go in that backfield. So I'm a little bit more optimistic. I think it's going to be a one for the Giants, a zero for the Jets, a two. I don't think it's going to be running away with it. I just want to be clear. I think the Mets can win two games between now and Sunday. So I, I hope we recap. Well, the fact that we can even the fact that we're even talking about this tells you how destitute the situation sad. is for the Mets. What a sad state of new, you know, while we're at it, let, let's be even sadder. Let's 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 wallow in our own uh, sadness for a moment, if we may. The Knicks are terrible. The Jets are terrible. The Giants not very good, but I think improving. The Mets, not so good. It's the Yankees. The Yankees are the only thing New Yorkers really have right now. And I'm a New Yorker, and and I am not a Yankee fan. But let's be honest. That's kind of what it is, right? Hasn't been besides the last few years. Yeah. No, I, I guess there's, there's really no arguing that. Um, Brooklyn's on the ups, upswing. True. 
And Islander fans are happy. Thank you, Brett. Yes. They, they yeah, that's true. Hockey. Yeah, let's Ranger not fans are not. Ranger fans are not. And, and you know, look, Long Island, people, nobody wants to go to Long Island. It's, it's four hours to get to Long Island. It's an hour away from wherever you are. And it's always four and a half hours to get out there. It's crazy. They, they are their own way. So that's all I have to say about that. All right. All right. Let's move on to fantasy reality. Question number two, Doc Rivers, great NBA player. And uh, I, I think a great NBA coach, but we got to you know call it what it is here. He is now the only coach in NBA history to lose a 3-1 lead in three different playoff series, having done it with the Clippers against Houston and with the Magic against the Detroit Pistons. And now uh, here he is doing it again in the Western Conference Finals against Denver. Now, he did win an NBA championship with Boston. Let's not forget about that. Uh, Doc Rivers will be remembered more for blowing a 3-1 lead than the 2008 title that he achieved as the head coach of the Boston Celtics. Is that fantasy or reality? Uh, I think it's fantasy. I will remember him for the Boston run, and it was quite a run with that team, with that group of guys, too, and maybe because I had some personal interaction with them at the time because I was working at a hotel, and Celtics were one of the teams that I actually dealt with. And um, I got to, you know, meet Doc uh, more than one occasion. And um, I just remember run. So in my personal head, I guess it's going to be skewed differently than others. Not everybody gets to, you know, have conversations with Doc Rivers on a daily basis sometimes. But this is going to stick this third time here when you're blowing a 3-1 lead. That There's no doubt about that. It's it's going to get closer and closer here. And I don't know what that is about him as a coach. I've always thought he was a wonderful leader when he was a player. I thought he was a wonderful leader as a coach. I think this is always more of an indictment of the players, too. You know, you have to have that killer instinct at the end of games. And I think that's what sort of elevates certain players above others is when you have that chance to put a team out of their misery when you're 3-1 that you go ahead and you do that. It's something Jordan was really good at. It's something that a couple other, you know, they sensed that blood in the water and they went after it. And I think that in the NBA, some of those great players, they find a way to do that. And I don't want to give them a pass this year because of the lack of home court advantage because they were up 3-1. I don't think you can make any excuses. I think you have to go back to the drawing board and go back and try to figure out what went wrong here and see if you can right the ship. But I'm still going to remember him more for the Celtics. How about you? I would agree. I think it is fantasy. And again, all those teams that we've mentioned were all really well-coached teams and did well. But I, I think it is part of Doc Rivers' story. And it probably, if you go back and look, would sort of you know doom him toward the end of his tenures in those two places that he was at, uh, Clippers and Orlando Magic. But in the end, you can't ever take away a championship from someone. And not a lot of people thought that Boston would win a championship in those years. They played very well against the Lakers. So I'm going to also say fantasy, but it is starting to pile up against him a little bit. Uh, you know, is the, is the team mentally strong enough? And it's a fair question to have to ask coming back and, and losing in those games. Are, is the club prepared enough to play in these game sevens? Because, again, all of these were game seven losses, and I think that's part of the story as well. All right, well, we have our final fantasy or reality question of the day, and here it is, Notorious B.I.G., who, of course, uh, passed away many years ago and uh, was unfortunately uh, murdered. They never found the killer in that. There's been several movies about it and documentaries about it, but is known as one of the greatest hip-hop artists of all time, one of the best rappers of all time, probably in the top five for just about everyone. Well, over the weekend, Joe, at Sotheby's, the notorious B.I.G.'s plastic crown, plastic crown, <laughs> that he owned, that he was seen many times in, sold for almost $600,000. Oh. Notorious B.I.G. 
plastic wow. crown, $600,000. Now we've gone over the memorabilia and we've you know, discussed this at length about what we have and what we don't have. We did months and months of shows on this too. But I thought we would take this in another direction here, Joe. Fantasy or reality, you, Joe Pizapia, and then we'll do me, have owned a CD or a record, vinyl record, of the notorious B.I.G. Is that fantasy or reality? Bedford Stuyvesant, the livest one. Of course I have a ready-to-die CD. It was in the rotation at all times when I had the cool black vinyl case with the CDs, the certain CDs that you always have in there. I am a Brooklyn boy. That is definitely one that was always in. That debut album was just so good. It was so great. It was always going to be tough for him. Top it. A lot of other great tunes there, uh, obviously, from Biggie. Uh, I was a big fan. Big fan of Biggie. He had a very unique style. I think a lot of people later on tried to copy it, and nobody ever came close. But yeah, man, Ready to Die was always in that great, great album. So many good cuts on that album. Big Papa, Juicy, all these great songs. And, I, and even the ones that we can't even say on the air. Some great tracks. Sure. <laughs> I can't even say the name of the track on the channel right now. But yeah, and I've got a plastic crown, by the way. Uh, you've seen me wear it on the show. It is not worth that money. I want to say it's probably more like $6.00. And maybe a couple of zeros, maybe two uh, after it. There's like a decimal point there, but not $600,000. It seems like a lot for a plastic crown. Even the plastic crown worn by uh, the biggie, one of the uh, kings of hip hop. Yeah, maybe the decimal is even before the six. That's possible, right? <laughs> it's possible. How about you? You got any uh, biggie or Tupac albums there? You, uh, Craig oh, Mish for sure, out for there? sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I had really? Ready to Die, and I had Life After okay. Death, and I also have the vinyl edition of, of Ready to Die as well. I'm a big vinyl guy, so I, I don't have... I think Ready to Die is the only vinyl one that I have. I may have, like, a Juicy on, on a 12-inch single uh, record, but that was the only full-length LP that I did have. But yes, of course... Oh, wait a minute. Uh, All these years, you're a vinyl guy, and I never knew this about you? You're a vinyl guy? You have I think all these we, vinyls in we, there? Didn't we talk about this? Mm, I thought we no, it's always some other Joe. Not this Joe. No way. Didn't uh, you say that somebody was giving away their vinyl collection? Wasn't you? Your parents or something? At uh, one point? No? Wait, they, they are, but I don't... Really, you know what? There's so much that's happening. Yeah, we went over God, If I... Then, and I need to get you some of those vinyls because I need them to move out of that house, Craig. Craig, listen, this is like a Seinfeld episode. Craig, listen to me. They, they got to get rid of these records, Craig. I need you to take some of these records off their hands. I feel like this is probably like me and Newman are getting together trying to get you to buy the records. And you're definitely Jerry and I'm definitely George in this scenario for sure. And I don't know who Kramer is. Maybe address. it's Brett. Yeah, you can mail them to my address here at Del Boca Vista. I'll Just pay all for the, the shipping. All I need you to do is pay for the shipping, Jerry. That's all I need you to do. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, vinyl is, I'm a big fan of vinyl. Big fan of it. And uh, wish I wish I had a lot more time to play them all the time. But, man, with football season here and everything else happening, it's like I put it on 10 minutes later, it's something else pops up. But, okay, so that's our fantasy reality segment for today. Have any suggestions for us on fantasy reality? Hit us up on Twitter at social at SportsGrid. That's our Twitter handle. And, of course, you can go to SportsGrid.com, learn more about what we're doing here and how we're broadcasting all the different shows that we have on the air. In addition to that, we have the SportsGrid 60. That's how we end our show every day. And that's next right here on SportsGrid. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
Welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today with you here on Sports Grid. Hopefully you enjoyed our show for today. And, of course, make sure you go over to our YouTube page over at sportsgrid.com where we post every video of every show where you can watch on demand. So any of the interviews or discussions that we have, fantasy, reality, and wagering, it's all on demand for you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Again, sportsgrid.com. That's the website to go check out exactly what we're doing here on network. Before we leave, let's turn it over to Joe Pizzapia. He's got some thoughts here on today's Sports Grid 60. Joe? Oh, I've got some thoughts. I've also got some feelings. This morning on a very big uh, fantasy football Facebook page, I saw a post that said, lost somebody in my league. I need to fill that spot because their trade was vetoed and they left. And you know who's wrong? The person who vetoed the trade. Why are you vetoing trades? What is wrong with you people out there? Stop. You don't need a collective of everybody else in your league approving trades and moves that are made. If you're worried so much about people colluding in your league, you're playing with the wrong people. Value is in the eye of the beholder. Value is in the eye of the roster. Different players are worth different things to different teams depending on their needs. Stop vetoing trades. Stop trying to control everything because everybody just wants to control their own best interests. Stop ruining fantasy leagues. No more vetoes. All right, I know not to veto any trades with uh, Joe Pizzapia and his moving forward, that's for sure. Done. Done. Don't do it. All right, I'll end with the Big Ten coming back to college football. There's one probably big elephant in the room that's going to need to be addressed, which is the players who have opted out on Ohio State and Michigan and everywhere else. They're saying this is going to be a case-by-case basis, whether or not they allow these kids to play. And they're saying that if they hired an agent, potentially they're not going to be able to play. I got to tell you, whether it's an agent or not, or whatever the reason was, you got to allow these kids to come back and play. They thought the season was over. It wasn't their choice. Their league decided that they didn't want to play. And so therefore they decided they wanted to take the next step and go to the NFL. They had no idea it was going to start up on October the 24th. Got to let the kids play. Let them opt back in. Even if they hired an agent, have them get back the money if they took any money. That'll do it for the show. Thanks again to my co-host, Joe Pizzapia, and of course, Brett Levy. I'm Craig Mish. We'll talk to you tomorrow noon. See ya. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.